Hello and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 109. Today I'm going to continue the Inspired By series. But before we do in before we get into that rather, quick station news. If you want to go to my website, feel free to do so. It's www.hugenhoff.org. Uh the podcast page may or may not be messed up because I messed it up. I'm going to fix it very soon so hopefully by the time you're there it's not all messed up but if the formatting's weird i know i'm getting to it uh let's see what else if you want to send me an email feel free to do that at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com i do check that email occasionally though not as much as i should uh but i'll get back to you if you send any emails there i do read my emails um Check out Lore's book. If you haven't, you can find it in the show notes. Just search Stephen Oaks on Amazon. Check out my book if you'd like to. Just search Lightbringer Byron Rogers on Amazon. I've still got a bunch of D&D campaigns up, and I'm going to be adding more, but I don't know when. That's not a high priority. Uh, eventually, I'll be adding more. But there's a couple D&D campaigns if you really like to play D&D campaigns, and you can find that at frothnir.com, F-R-O-T-H-N-I-R. I don't make any money off of those, but still, feel free to play them because they were fun to write. Anywho, I think that's it. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Today we are discussing thoughts inspired by Frega. So, Frega is another one of the big goddesses. <sighs> Uh, I don't know if I like how I said that. Um, there's truth to it, but let me take a moment to talk about that. When I say one of the quote-unquote big, or sometimes I'll say important, that's not to belittle the other gods and goddesses. It's just that some some goddesses we know more about than others. Also, Frigga does play a pretty big pivotal role in a lot of the lore so she is very important and she's one of the big gods but i really don't want to disparage the other ones i don't want to be implying that the other gods are less important i guess something that's something that's always tricky whenever you say somebody's important it's sort of implying other people are less important. If you say George Washington was the most important president, that necessarily implies Lincoln was less important, which isn't necessarily true. He was important for different reasons. So I just want to say, when I say one of the big goddesses or big gods, I'm talking about like we have a lot of lore on them. They play a big role in the lore and how I personally connect to the gods. You will probably never hear me say, and today we're going to study a little god or an unimportant god because they're all important. They're all big. But some we just know more about and some I personally work with more. So I usually call those big ones. That disclaimer out of the way, Frigga is a very important goddess. Um... I like a lot of things about Frigga. One of the things that uh, I, I really like is, of course, she's Odin's wife. And there's so many stories. And I think I discussed this when I talked about Odin or 
relatively recently, I discussed this, where you will have kind of a battle of the wits, if you will, between Oda and Frigga, and a lot of times Frigga will come out winning. Uh, there is the story of the Longbards, which is probably the most famous, where um, short version, Odin says, I will give the victory to whoever I see first when I wake up. But he knew that he favored, he, he faced his favorites. So I went to sleep and Frigga turned his bed around, so when he woke up, he saw who became the Longbards. And, and actually, Frigga also had the women put their hair in front of their face, and he said, who are these people with long beards? And then Frigga said, you have given them a name, so now you owe them a naming gift, and that gift should be victory. So, because Odin is a god of his word, he was like, okay, I guess you're right, you got me, and he gave them, the Longbards, the victory. So, it's fun to see Odin actually have a match, because there's so few people that can match Odin, especially in a battle of wits, right? We see lots of stories with, with giants and even other gods, where Odin, um, you know, with other gods, there's the, the flighting he had with um, uh, Thor, and he was kind of doing it fun and in jest, but he, he would be one-upping him in many ways, like in clever ways, he'd, he'd be winning that argument, I guess you'd say, uh, but in, in a friendly manner. And then there's the actual lore contests he had with the Giants, where he would actually win the lore contest and the particular one I'm thinking about, and then because he won, he got to kill the Giant. They had staked their lives on it. So Odin's a very intelligent god, and the fact that Frigga on a few occasions has outsmarted him just really shows how intelligent she is and that she can hold her own and she's very much a strong independent character who has the ability to outsmart pretty much anyone but also the desire to do, do so. She is in no way submissive because that story I just gave she disagreed with Odin and ended up getting her way so she's not just there to go along with Odin's plan. She's really got her own plans going on. But that's, that's one of the things I like about her, that she's strong-willed and very intelligent. What is she a goddess of? Because this is going to be what I will be talking about and inspired by. I'm not really just going over the history of the gods. If you want to know more about these gods or goddesses, um, I guess gods, is that a neutral gender term? I mean, it's not really, is it? It means a male god. But when I say the gods, I mean the gods and goddesses. That's tricky. I should probably make a point to say gods and goddesses. But anyway, this, that's a completely different tangent. Um, if you want to learn more about the gods and goddesses, I think that's a very important thing to do. There's a lot of stuff out there, uh, most of it in writing. There's the have them. Well, kind of they have them all, but really the Valsapa. The Valsapa has a lot of good stuff in there. There's a link section on my website that I think mentions these books. I personally like the Poetic Edda translated by Hollander. Sometimes it's kind of hard to get through because it's... Um, he tries to, he does a really good job about maintaining like the poetic form of the Eddas, but to do that, sometimes the language sounds old-fashioned. I'm okay with that. Some people don't like it, so I'm just saying there's lots of versions of the Valsapa or, or the poetic Eddas that you can do, and there's a lot of information about the gods there. Actually, Wikipedia is great. It's got a lot of information. You can't take it for absolute truth, because sometimes some crazy stuff gets put up on Wikipedia, but I've found it to be 
pretty much accurate. So you can go to Wikipedia, and that's free. Um, Sacred Text is a site. Anyway, lots of sites you can find books about the goddesses and the gods and what they do. Uh, but Frigga is the god of prophecy a little bit. Um, she's definitely the god of motherhood. She's the god of childbirth, and she's the goddess of the hearth or, or the home. So those things are obviously really important. Uh, I'm going to start a little bit with prophecy because I remember the story of of Baldur's death, where she tries to have everybody swear an oath to protect, to not harm Baldur. And then anyway, long story short, Loki devises a plan that ends up getting Baldur killed. And, and that's kind of what led to Loki finally being kicked out of Asgard and changed and chained into the center of the earth because it was just, it was, uh, it was too far that he actually, that he, that he got Balder killed. Um, and, and it was because he was jealous because Balder was one of the most beautiful gods, but still, that, that was wrong. Most, a lot of what Loki did before then was mischievous and I don't know, maybe he should have, shouldn't have, but it was kind of just like a practical joke like Seif's hair. It's more of a practical joke thing, and it's not right, but it's mischievous. But when he actually kills Balder, first of, all, first of all, he was doing it maliciously. It wasn't a joke gone wrong, as most of his stuff prior was. It was him actually doing something maliciously out of a negative place, being jealous. So that's obviously going too far, and that's why Loki's not one of the gods anymore. That's why we don't honor Loki, and that's why the gods chained him to the center of the earth until Ragnarok happens. Uh, but what I was getting at, Frigga went and made everybody swear that they wouldn't hurt Balder after he had that prophetic dream. But you kind of wonder if she's a god of prophecy, goddess of prophecy, which she is. She was probably doing everything she could because you have to do everything you can. But you have to think that maybe she knew it was going to happen anyway. Um, and maybe there wasn't really, maybe she knew that there wasn't a way to stop it or she shouldn't stop it. Also remember that Balder comes back in the next phase of the world after Ragnarok. One, God, Balder is one of the gods that comes back to rule over the people. So it's sort of in a way necessary that he died. Uh, there's all sorts of some symbolic stuff about like connecting Balder, a god of light, with the sun that rises again. So you sort of have like that cyclical cycle caught in that story. But more importantly, I think it was sort of necessary that Balder dies so that he could come back. So after Ragnarok, the next cycle would have somebody in charge. And if, God, if Frigga is a goddess of prophecy, I wonder if she knew that. And she did what she could, but she realized she wasn't really going to stop Balder's death from happening. But she let it happen because she knew that it was necessary. And the reason I'm saying this is because that puts gives her a lot in common with Odin, who does a lot of things, quote-unquote, for the greater good. Now, my interpretation of that is he's not breaking moral codes, but he is doing things like getting the runes. And after he got the runes, he never smiled again. He is making some pretty major personal sacrifices for everybody's good, like us, the people, the folk, and also the other gods. He's making some sacrifices, and this puts Frigga in a very similar place where she's also making the sacrifice of her only 
son, actually, or the her only son with Odin, sacrificing him for the time being for the greater good of the people after Ragnarok. So that puts her in that cycle of uh, sacrifice for the greater good. Tyr is the other god who would be in that uh, group because he sacrificed his hand to the wolf. So it's certainly not unusual for a god to be in that group, but I do like the idea that it kind of puts her in that group with Odin. I think that can be kind of interesting. Anyway, she is a goddess of prophecy, but she doesn't usually tell people their future. Um, like, she, she knows not to tell people what their future is. Even th So she knows the future, but she rarely tells people what the future is. And that also reminds me of the other thing about Odin, that after he learned his fate, he never smiled after that day. Knowing your fate and knowing the future, knowing when you will die, is actually a really huge burden. And I think Frigga is wise enough, because she's very, a very wise god, in my opinion, to know that that's not really information people need to know or should know. That's going to do more harm than good. And I think we're all in that case. Maybe if we really think about it, we realize it'd be bad, but there's many times when I have said to myself, I would like to know when and how I'm going to die, just cause, I don't know, that'd be something I'd like to know. You just want to know the future. There's just part of you that wants to know the future and what's going to happen. And sort of plan out your life, too. You know, if I'm going to die at, at 40, I, I'm probably going to retire a lot earlier than I currently plan to do. You know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna die in what what a year, I'm probably gonna quit my job and spend some time with my kids and family to enjoy the last year I have on Earth. But if I'm gonna die at 65 or something, then you know I'm gonna keep working because because I'm gonna keep working because I don't have all these other things to hold on to. Um, so it'd be nice to know when you died. Wait, hold on, that didn't make sense. If I'm going to die at 65, I'm going to keep working because I need, like, the money to support my family. Whereas if I'm going to die at 40, I'll quit my job so I can spend time with them because I know that I'll get a life insurance payout so they'll be financially okay and I'll get a year with them. So, like, it would be nice to know because I could plan things accordingly. That said, I think knowing exactly when you're going to die would actually be really stressful because you're always going to think about it. You're always going to have this countdown timer. So like on one hand, it'd be nice because you're like, okay, I'm going to die in one month. I, I don't really want to start playing Bloodborne because that game's probably going to take at least two months and I don't want to die in the middle of a video game. That'd be terrible. I'll just, I'll just like play Firewatch or one of those short video games. It's, that's on my list. I hear it's good. I don't know if it is or not. I'll find out. And, and then I'll just take a break from video games, well, for the rest of my life, because I don't want to be stuck in the middle of one. That'd be great, right? But also, you would constantly see that countdown clock, and I don't think that would be good. I think that'd be very stressful and a very negative thing. So, Frigg is very wise to not tell men there, or not tell people. Uh, I think the quote, and I can't remember where I read that. It was some piece of lore, but it said, like, Frigga knows men's future, but does not tell it or something along those lines. Anyway, men in the generic mankind sense. But I think Frigga is wise enough to know that people, though they think they want to know their future and when they will die, they don't actually want to know that, and that actually be really stressful. And unless there's a really, really, really good reason for knowing it, like Odin had one because he had to 
orchestrate the whole preventing Ragnarok and making it not happen too soon thing. Uh, he had a really good reason to know it, but if you don't have a really good reason to know that, then it's not going to have huge benefits, and you really don't want to know it. So that's one of the things that I consider makes Frigga a wise goddess. And I think that's really interesting, too. Um, generally speaking, I'm the person who says knowledge is always good. You should always have more knowledge. You should always be trying to get more knowledge. And for the most part, that is true. But there are certain pieces of knowledge that aren't good. And to be wise is to know when you should when you should share your knowledge and when you shouldn't. Usually, nine times out of ten, sh sharing nine times out of ten, sharing your knowledge is good. You're helping somebody learn something. But there is that one time out of ten, in this case, telling someone when they will die when sharing your knowledge is actually not a good thing and would make and it not only would it make the person miserable, but it wouldn't actually make their life better or it wouldn't make the world better either because you can see an argument like well yes this knowledge hurts me but i really need to know so that i can adjust my behavior accordingly or something like if your best friend is actually an assassin yes that information would and they're going to assassinate you that information would really hurt me it would hurt my feelings but i would want to know it because then i'd stop hanging out with that friend because i don't want to get assassinated and of course that's a ridiculous example because the real examples are sad but there's other examples where even though you don't want to know the thing that's going on and usually you know it's usually in relationships maybe something's going on in a relationship that you don't know about and you feel like i'd rather not know but honestly you would because you need to be able to decide if you're going to maintain that relationship or not and you need all the information to do that so again usually it's a good thing however if i knew the exact date of your death i don't think i should tell you i think that just kind of make you miserable so so it's very important to know when to hold back information as well as when to give it. That's what makes you wise. I don't consider myself wise, but that's what makes you wise, knowing when to hold the information and when to give it and who to give it to and stuff like that. So that's part of Frega. And that makes sense if she's a motherly god s as well, because that's what you have to do with your children. And I, I do do that with the kids. Like I tell them most things, but there's some subjects we haven't broached yet because they're not old enough or they won't understand or there's just there's parts of the world that are hard to wrap your head around and if you're too young it can really be traumatic it can really break your worldview and you know as a parent you have to know or make your best guess as to when you tell the kids about those things like when do you I'm, lots of obvious examples um when do you bring up war how do you bring up war when do you bring up the fact slavery existed in this country like that's something they need to know about but you also need to bring it up in a way that it's not going to completely destroy their faith in humanity because they could do that right you're like wait people owned other people that's like a faith in humanity being completely destroyed thing so so it's really important to bring it up like in the right ways and give them the information but maybe not all of the information if you know like you want to tell them that's a thing but you also want to tell them like these people were wrong and this isn't something we do 
anymore. And maybe you don't go into graphic details about how people were beaten. Because do they need to know that eventually? Sure, but maybe not right off the bat. You know, I don't think it'd be appropriate to bring a six-year-old to the Holocaust Museum, because that's just, that's too much, that's too real. But on the other hand, you don't want to just pretend that didn't happen because it did. So you need to bring up the subject. But like knowing what to tell them and what to not tell them, it's a really hard thing. And I think most parents probably struggle with that. So you kind of see how that wisdom is necessary for parenting, which is why Frigga is such a wise goddess. Also, there's a little bit, I, I feel like, of that prophecy inherent in parenting, but really, I don't know, um, maybe more motherhood, maybe not. <sighs> There's a lot of things that you see coming when you have a parent, like you see your kid doing such and such an action, and you know how it's going to turn out. You know, so the obvious example is you see the, your kid reaching for the burner. You know how that's going to turn out. You know they're going to get burned, and then you have to decide... Are you going to tell them or let them learn on their own? Okay, just in case you didn't know this, if they're reaching for a hot burner, stop them and then use your words to tell them that's dangerous. But if they're doing something different, like they're building a sandcastle and you see they're going to add too much water, maybe you let them add the too much water so that they can learn from that experience. Uh, you know, those are the gray lines. If they're actually going to hurt themselves, please stop them and then tell them that that would hurt them you don't, let, you don't have to actually let them touch the hot burner to learn their lesson. Would they learn their lesson touching the hot burner? I guess, but that's not really the only way. I mean, we made language for a reason. Uh, but you have those things. And it's like, where does that line, where do you draw that line? What do you let them do and fail at so that they can learn? And what do you stop them from doing in the first place? But I, I just think that there is like this seeing the future thing and parenthood because you can just not in a mystical way but in like you can see what their actions are going to lead to and you have to decide if you're going to give that information or not uh, now i mean some people claim that there's like a bond between mother and children and a mother can tell when her child's in danger in a mystical way uh, that's a great conversation to have uh, I'm not having that conversation today, but, you know, that's that's a fun conversation that you could also have, which would, again, bring that comparison. At the very least, we could say that it's sort of a popular notion that a mother and a child have, like, this bond, and if the kid is in danger or soon to be in danger, the mother just inherently knows. And you can still see that kind of ties back to the Frigga thing where she was a goddess of prophecy. Um Anyway, so that kind of all ties into it. That, that whole motherly aspect and the idea of carrying a child, I think that's something that I can't really speak to. Obviously, I haven't done it. Um, there is a really special connection between like carrying a child to term and then giving birth to that child. There's, there's like a connection that you have there that you can't really have if you haven't gone through that experience. I haven't gone through that experience. I mean... I definitely have a connection with my kids, too, because they're my kids, and I raise them, and I take care of them, and all of that. But there, there is also that extra childbirth thing. Uh, that's a really fundamental part of life that Frigga sort of symbolizes, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, so the whole motherhood and hearth. Now, talking about hearth and home and how that all connects in, I think it's just getting at like the mother is, in a lot of ways, the center of the home. More often than not, the mother's the primary caregiver. That's not necessarily the case, and that doesn't have to be the case. There, I feel like maybe there has to be a primary caregiver, but it doesn't have to be the mother. Like, the father could be, you know, after the first few years, because obviously the mother has to do the breastfeeding. But after the first couple years, the father could, could be the primary caregiver, as well but there is a role of like the primary caregiver and the person that holds the family together in my case that that is my wife because uh i i don't know i just is she is naturally a caring person who cares about feelings and making people feel included and loved and all of that and i'm mean-spirited and i don't care about humans so she naturally fits that role better um but I feel like a, I feel like in in most people's lives, there is like a primary person who sort of holds the family together, and a lot of times that's a mother. I kn- I know I've seen it many many times be a, a grandmother or or a grandparent. I know that my grandma and grandpa, um, they were the ones that kind of held our more extended family together like they were the ones who got everybody together and we always had at their house etc and you know when they passed away those family gatherings didn't really happen so much and 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 i think that happens a lot that you have this like central family figure and when they and and sometimes it's an aunt sometimes i mean it could be an uncle too It, it could be anybody but there is like a home motherly figure oftentimes that holds a family together and then when they pass on, a lot of times the family, I don't want to say the family falls apart, but the family just sort of loses touch, which is going to eventually happen because it, at some point in time, because extended families keep getting bigger, right, throughout the generations. So at some point in time, we can't have a family get together if there's like 500 people there. Um, but I, I think there's a special place in everyone's hearts for those people that do hold the family together. The extended family or the direct family. Um, anyway, I, I think that generally there is a motherly figure that sort of holds the family together. And and I think that's a huge reason that Frigga is like of the hearth or the fireplace. You know, the meeting place where you spend time talking to and getting to know your family. Also, I'd say that's really important. That's a really, really, really important thing that we have. And I think it is easy to forget that, especially when you get into like teens and 30s. I mean, I'm way past that because I'm super old. But when you're, when you're in your young, your younger years, you're like young adult years, you know, not, you're not living at home anymore, but you're still young. It's easy to forget that that family network is like really important. It's easy to forget that that base is really important because you kind of get doing your own thing and in this world with the internet and you know everything you can live on your own really easily. Like it didn't used to be the case that you could just live on your own. You couldn't just get a studio apartment and survive without help from the rest of the community. It was sort of necessary to have your family. 
it, it's it still is to a large extent today, but you can also get along on your own pretty well for a pretty long time. Um, but I think it's important to remember that you do kind of need that home base, that place where you feel safe. And that is ideally provided by your parents. Like in a perfect world, right? My kids will eventually move out of the house, but they will always know that they can come back here to my wife, to me as well, and have like a safe home, stable place. You know, we will be here, we'll take care of them, give them a meal, things will be familiar, things will be comfortable. And that kind of gives them that foundation, that bedrock that they can always come back to. And they can do the crazy experimental things in their life to see, do they want this job? Do they want that job? They can take the risks because there's a safety net and a foundation that they can come back to without getting lost. Um, and then, you know, eventually we will die. And hopefully at that point in time, they have created their base. They have a family or some sort of stable base of their own, and then they become the anchor to their children. If they have children, if they don't have children, then they create their own foundation. Um, because at that point in time, hopefully, before we die, they'd be old enough that they'd be in a stable point in their life. So, anyway, it's been nearly half an hour, and I have been kind of trying to wrap these up at that point. So, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, but I'm just going to leave it at... Family is super important, and having that home base in your life, I, I think, is something that sometimes we forget about, but I think that can really be a helpful, important thing, too. So when you do the different things and take risks and, and, and all of that, especially when you're young, you always know that you can go back, and there there is a place that you can go and be safe. When you're having new experiences and meeting new people, Maybe even living in different areas, different parts of the world, you know that you can always go back to that safe home base of your parents' house. And I think that is a role that is really important. And that's a role that Frigga sort of reminds us is a really important role. And then, of course, motherhood is always going to be extremely important. And the connection with prophecy is, is an interesting one that's wrapped up into that, too. The connection between, like, motherhood and prophecy and stuff. So, motherhood's good. Frigga is a really interesting god and definitely worth doing a lot more research on because I'm mostly just talking about some stuff related to her, but I mean, she, there's a lot of stories with her in it, so I would definitely suggest you read those. But until next time, thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next month. So, can't forget the closing. If you want to check out my website, feel free to do so. You can find it at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. There you can... Email me, huguenotpodcast at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to the RSS. Since this is a monthly podcast, it's very easy to remember to forget to download it. So just put in your podcast player of choice and it will come to you at around the first of the month, every month. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I'll talk to you next month. Rahel.